and talking to our friends. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Aubrey Loveless. And I'm Danielle. Hey, everybody. We're back for Hellboy Club. Hellboy Club. Yes. This is our Hellboy podcast. We're reading all the comics and all the related titles. We're talking to all of our friends. And now Danielle's going to tell you all about it. Uh, <laughs> I'll never tell you all about it. Oh, no. We're going to read something. We're going to read it, and you're going to... We're going to talk about it, and you're going to read it also, and you're going to listen to us talking about what we read, and then you're going to talk about what we talked about. That's a hey damn. Guys, you're going to send us an email or a message on social media or Ooh. something like that, and then we're going to talk about what you talked about when you talked about us talking about the thing that we read, mm-hmm. and that's a book club, and that's friendship. Back to you, John. Yes. Awesome. Awesome as always. Stellar mm, job. Mm. Hit all the right beats. I begrudgingly hit all the right beats. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we have quite a bit of uh, listener feedback in the old mailbag here, in the, the, the old feedback. The feedback? Yeah, so um, let's go ahead and get on to our listener feedback. Listener feedback. Get out, jeans and floppies. Get out, hardback copies. Digital is fine. Hey, we got a hey damn guys from Evan Nobles. Evan Nobles, book club member. You know it. Hey folks, first the show is awesome and it's my only source of Hellboy nerddom. Well, we'll be your Hellboy friend. Yes, no, that's we'll good. Do that. yeah, that's we're fine. happy to do it. Yeah, it's fine. No one I know likes the Hellboy universe as much as I do, so it's nice to nerd out with you. Anytime. That's what it's all about. Anytime. Yes. Listener feedback is my favorite. Aw. Very good. I love hearing everyone's ideas. I started listening last year and have been hammering through the show. I've been waiting until I got caught up before sending in an email just in case you answered my question. Oh. <laughs> uh, Evan continues, What's up with the other tanks beside Abe when he's found in Seed of Destruction? There's the big broken one and a little broken one beside him. Oh. I may have missed them explained in another comic. No, yeah. I mean, I guess the only thing that I could think of is... Um, Remember in Garden of Souls where they made those like giant bodies that they were going to get inside of? Yeah. Oh, right. And then only one of them took. Mm. So I'm wondering if like maybe they had other trials or they tried other people and it didn't work out or... So our new segment called Speculation Station. Yeah, but I do like uh, thinking about like, yeah, what were those other tubes for? Or maybe they were just empty and like... In preparation for more of them to do the same thing, but nobody else did. I don't know. That's a great question. The train the train is now leaving. Speculation <laughs> station. Evan right. continues some more. Also, I would love if they did some what-ifs of the universe. Maybe an omnibus from a bunch of random creators. What if Hellboy went with Rasputin? What if Hellboy took the army being made for him out of hell? What if Abe lived and kept evolving into that giant from Japan. Oh, yeah. There was like a... God, what was that story? Where there were like two big Godzilla monster things. And one of them looked like Abe, I think. Maybe that's what he's talking about. Oh, right. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I need to reread all this. Yeah, we're wrapping it up from Evan here. I know it's slowing down for the Hellboy stuff, but I think I'm at the reread and re-listen stage. Ooh. Thanks for all the great content. Keep it up. P.S. 
Just pre-ordered Lobster Johnson Omnibus Volume 2. Oh, shit. I don't even have that pre-ordered. I need to get on that. Sincerely. Sincerely, Evan Noble's book club member. Nice. Prince Edward Island, Canada. Canada. A Canadian fan. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's extra nice. We love that. Awesome. Thank you so much, Evan. Great to hear from you. Um, wow, like he just like powered through the whole show. I, like I wonder how wow. many hours of our voices he's listened to like within a week or whatever. But uh, anyway, thank you so much. So glad that you're caught up. And We're uh, friends. We're hope, friends yeah, now. Yeah, we're friends now. Hope to hear from you soon. <laughs> I wonder what other what ifs. Like I'm starting to think about like what if um, Liz had stayed – uh, like you could do it both ways. What if she had never run away from the BPRD and she mm. just stayed there the entire time? Because mm. remember, she yeah. separated them from them for right. a long time. Or um, what if she stayed in Agartha and she uh... never went back to the BPRD and she just learned became one of those shaman people and learned all she could about the secret fire? Right. You know, instead of coming back to the BPRD and being a chain smoking <laughs> wild person or, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> What if Daimyo didn't kill Johan's human body? Oh, that's a good one, Aubrey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really yes. good one. I always think of way back in the day before Matt Smith. We're going to be talking about him today. Um, he did the Long Night at Golovsky Station. But I, I think way back he did a concept art of Daryl the Wendigo in a BPRD uniform. Mm. And I was like, what mm. if what if Daryl the Wendigo like joined the BPRD and was like on the team? Okay, everything we've said up until that was like, what if things were less interesting? But that is a fantastic. Really? Idea. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great goddamn idea. Because, but that story was very cathartic and 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 very like heartbreaking, and it made you yeah, feel things. Yeah. Obviously, that's like a very. You know, it you know that's it makes you feel things. But I also fucking love that idea. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, these are great ideas. I would love this. Uh, I love this idea of an evil Hellboy to evil Hellboy joining Rasputin. I guess it would just be over like that, right? Then too. It would I just think, be over again, so quickly. Yeah, that's. But what would he do? Like, what would have happened if he had been able to rule or be the dragon or whatever? Like, what, you know, I don't know. Would that be an interesting story to tell? Yeah, I don't know. That'd be interesting. What if Roger lived and then how would Hellboy come back at the end? Because he wouldn't have Roger's body to come back in. Yeah. It's a lot, it, but that's a lot less <laughs> catharsis, too. Yeah. What if Rasputin joins up with the BPRD, but then it turns out that he has to do Ragnarok anyway for some fucking reason. Okay, yeah. I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, what... What makes it more interesting than it already is. Yeah. Right. I don't know. I mean, I think you could make almost any concept interesting. True. Um, yeah. But uh, it's... But a lot it's... of this is like, oh, but this one... You know, like, <laughs> a lot of this is just us trying to spare ourselves from feeling yeah. things, which is not... I don't agree with that. I think that it should make you feel uncomfortable yeah. if it's worth anything. Like, I was thinking, like, if, like, what if um, Johan had kept his, like, human body? I think he would have become, like, some, like, evil motherfucker right. or something. Like, I can hear you know? Strackbine right now. What if we killed the mm-hmm. Black Flame? Yeah. Like, I get it. I get it, Strackbine. Yeah. I get it. What if they killed him right from the beginning? There you right. go. Yeah. But, you know, I think a lot of a lot of that is just, like, what if things were much less interesting? I It's, it's hard to come up with what ifs that are, like, ooh, I want to yeah. see that. Yeah. Because they've done such a fucking good job I guess that's true, over right? the years yeah. of writing this. Well, yeah. I mean, you know? Well, I mean, that's, that's where, you know, you got to get somebody good on it to write it. Yes. You know? it's, 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 I mean. Any concept could be good. It's just depends on who's the writer. No, I agree. Else. It's just like it's hard for me to imagine things being different because it's so fucking good. That's right. the yeah, where yeah, the problem is yeah. for me. So it's like you said, we've got to get someone here who actually knows what they're fucking doing to make 
an interesting situation because to make any of this different, it would have to be like really fucking awesome for me to want to read that or care about it. Right, it would right. have to be better than what we've already got, which is a very high bar. We also heard from Callie Kaysen. Callie Kaysen. Book club member. Mm-hmm. Hey, damn guys. I'm really enjoying your book club reviews and commentary. Continue the good work. Today I was flipping through my Hellboy in Hell artist edition, and in the back are a few sketches not included in Hellboy in Hell. So there's the giant artist edition, and then they recently came out with an artisan edition, which is like a smaller version of the oh, artist okay. edition, and it's more affordable, and it's like paperback, right? In case you can't, oh, nice. in, in case you can't find the artist edition, or you can't afford, um, you know, that giant book, or you just don't want to have this giant book. That's the whole you, point of the artist edition, though, is that it's gigantic. Right, right. But it, maybe you just want like the sketchbooks sure. or the black no, no, and No, of course, yeah. Like that's why that it has, for, has a different for name. For reference. So right. that's the artisan edition that, that just came out. It looks pretty cool. An artisanal sketchbook. There you go. Callie goes on to say, one of these is a concept piece of Hellboy, but the original art page has this 90s Marvel logo in the upper left-hand corner where you, you would usually see the Dark Horse or Legend logo. I have not researched anything, so I thought I'd throw it to John to see if he had done any research on the topic of Hellboy possibly being pitched at Marvel before he became a Dark Horse sensation. Anyway, thanks for the last in friendship, the Greasy Strangler. Oh, jeez. <laughs> the Greasy Strangler. There's another fan right Didn't there for you. Mike, talk one. about that in that... Um, that Drawing Monsters? Yeah. Yeah, the documentary. I think he did talk he about that He talked a little briefly. bit about the conception of... Hellboy and how his wife was like, you should just do a thing. Right. And he was like, I will do a thing. I wonder if he did pitch it at Marvel. I'll have to go back and check that documentary again. I texted it to you, Aubrey, and you can see it here too, Danielle. Yeah. Um, He's absolutely right. I never noticed that. There's a Marvel Comics logo in the corner Mm. of the page. I wonder if he just had some extra lying around and he used it to draw on it. That's a better idea. I think that that's probably what happened. That's a great idea. There you go, Callie. I think we figured it out. I <laughs> As bet, someone with just a bunch of shit lying around all of the time in yeah. the room I where see, I do uh, the art, it's probably just I, he had a big stack of that left over and he was like, this is the right size. I 100% agree with you. That's the first thing I thought of. He just had some extra sock laying around. Yeah, I think that's probably what <laughs> Yeah, happened. because he did a lot of stuff for Marvel. So you've got those pages yeah. and you're like, I'm trying to create my own thing. Let me just grab one of these that I got lying around. Absolutely. That's what happened. Because you don't Very want to throw good. it away. Yeah. Because it's perfectly you, good. It's perfectly usable. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I love that you just figured that, just... that you and Ari just figured that out. Very good. Yeah. I think that that is the more likely response. That's yeah. That's what happened. Uh, thank you so much, Callie. That was really cool. Great detail there. We also got a Hey You Damn Guys from Spencer Stepniewski. Mm, Spencer Stepniewski. Book club member. That's right. Spencer said, hope all is well and that the new year is treating you right. I was so glad when I saw that you were revisiting Bones of Giants because that is a story I have such a weird relationship with. I've never read the prose work but knew the story from your episodes on it, which I enjoyed a lot. I honestly haven't read any, uh, any of the Christopher Golden prose books and honestly probably won't, not because they're bad or anything, but my backlog of things to read is so long I can't justify it. And also, I would kind of prefer it to just be a comic, which is exactly what we got. This was such It's a- what if Hellboy was Thor. Yeah, there you go. This was such a tight and well-paced four issues, I have trouble seeing how it could have been a full novel. That and Matt Smith is quickly becoming a favorite Hellboy artist of mine. Very good. Hellboy and Love is so good. We'll have to get to that one soon Mm. when it's collected. I have actually lived in Sweden for a year after high school as an exchange student. And I have a soft spot in my heart for Norse myth. 
so it's always fun to see the Hellboy universe spend some time on it. Of course, there is so much Norse myth-inspired aspects of the Mignolaverse lore, but whenever we get to see Hellboy actually engage with the myths proper, it's always a delight. That and I love me some Abe and Hellboy time. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, me too. Bros. Being bros. There really is so little of it overall in the series, but the bond between them is so powerful that it's easy for the brain to fill in the gaps. Also, I can't remember if you guys mentioned it yet, but with all the video game talk that has been going on in the Book Club Members Comics podcast, I have to say I'm totally geeking out over the new Hellboy game that is coming out. Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, that looks awesome. It, it, I'm so excited for it. He says, I always Hopefully, thought... Hopefully, it's actually playable. I think, it, I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be good. I have high hopes for it. Um, he says, I always thought a Witcher 3 style game would be great for Hellboy, where he explores a huge world with different stories to experience within it. But a roguelike sounds pretty awesome, too. And it sounds like Mignola is involved pretty heavily with the production as well, so the hype is very, very high. Maybe they can make something a little better than The Science of Evil, which I actually kind of like. Sue me. And Lance Reddick voicing Hellboy is a really interesting casting choice, and one I would have never have thought of, but seems kind of inspired. I just think of how tough yet professional he was in Fringe, while having all these moments of surprising warmth and realize he's kind of perfect for the role. You guys keep on rocking. Spencer Stepnevsky. Awesome. Thank Excellent. you so much, Thank Spencer. You. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I've only seen like like the like the announcement trailer for the video game, but man, it should look fucking sweet. <laughs> if you follow them on social media, you know, Web of Weird, I think that's the name of the game. Um, if you look that up on Twitter, they have a Twitter handle and uh they share concept art from the game. So if you follow them there, you can see some more images to continue getting psyched over. Awesome. Thank you, Spencer. I have to get with you about how to finish the science of evil. Maybe you can walk, make a walk I was about to say, what's me? it feel like to love an unplayable game? That no. must be so lonely. Well, what the, I was like, uh, <laughs> I was watching somebody on Twitter. Somebody on Twitter was playing through it, and they were posting wow. about it. And they were saying like, they oh it? shit, Lobster Johnson is in this. Uh, and I was yeah, like, no, you said that last time we talked like, about fuck. this game. I was like, fuck, I should buy it again. And <laughs> you said that last time. I feel, feel like it's just maybe a luck of the draw kind of the yeah. thing. Because for some people, it's absolutely unplayable. I need to get some into people, it, yeah. seem like they're having a great time. I need so. to give it a time. I don't yeah, know. Another try. Regarding our Bones of Giants episode, we also heard from Jerry Turnbull. Jerry Turnbull. Book club member. Yeah, there were so many cool little details that I pointed out in that story, and Jerry found a couple more. Did he? So, um, Let's hear it. What are they? When they're walking through Sweden, one of the bars is named Bergting, and that's the artist. Uh, he's one of Peter Bergting oh. is one of the artists for the Baltimore series. Lovely. Uh, on some of the future Baltimore books or the Outerverse books. Um, I think maybe it's Joe Gollum or something like that. He said the helicopter pilot that drops off Hellboy and Abe is McCready from John Carpenter's The Thing. Okay. Kurt Russell. Okay. Oh, my God. That's that's great. I I saw Jerry make that comment earlier in the picture, and I was like, oh, shit, why did not I did not pick up on that. Yeah. And then um, we talked about how they made tribute to Walt Walt and Louise Simonson as Valkyries and RS Guardians. On the issue four cover, it's cut off by the logo, but if you see it without the trade dress, Christopher Golden is also in there as one of the Asgardians. Nice. So that's pretty oh, cool. Wow. Yeah. Nice. We also heard from Drew Campbell. Drew Campbell. Book club member. The Bones of Giant is one of my favorite Hellboy novels, and Matt Smith did an excellent job bringing it to life. I did feel like the pacing was a little rushed. I think six or eight issues would have helped preserve the novel's pacing a little better. I do wonder about a couple of the changes that were made. 
Uh, for example, the novel takes place in 1999, but the comics is in 1988. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. I didn't catch that. It might have uh, messed up with the timeline of the Right, maybe the it, comics it, didn't, it didn't line up with the comics timeline. That's a good point. Yeah. And you're correct. The novel specifically describes Prunella as having dark hair, and that's how Mignola drew her. Uh, the changes don't fundamentally alter anything about the story, but I'm really curious to what the reasons were. Yes. So, and he did link a picture of Prunella, the sketch from the book, and she does have dark hair. I knew that I wasn't making that up. Anyway, okay. We got a Hey You Damn Guys from Hayden Orr. Hayden Orr. Book Club member. Great episode, you damn guys. It's weird how often an undead slash corpse version of Thor pops up, especially in comics. You've got this version for the Mignolaverse. You've got Walt Simonson's version, who's a walking corpse without a lower jaw. And there's at least two from Marvel, including obviously the Marvel Zombies version, and an alternate universe where all the Avengers are monsters and Thor is a mummy. Oh, wow. I don't know if I've okay. seen that one. That's awesome. Even DC had a version where he was dead and stuck in the afterlife, if I remember correctly. The story had something to do with Superman being trapped in Valhalla, I think. Interesting. Can't remember, honestly, but geez, a lot of dead Thors running around the comic world. Also, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that in that monster dimension with Monster Avengers, Wolverine is part of the team and also King of the Vampires. Oh, wow. That is fucking awesome. <laughs> I think there was a what if about that That's too. That's fucking yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. King of There's the Vampires. A couple of them. And he wears Dracula's cape around while also being full on Wolverine. It's unrelated <laughs> to my point, but I know you guys will appreciate a cape to Vampire Man who is also Wolverine. Yes. Wolverine is a Dracula. Yeah. Fantastic. He's got the he's got like the costume for it, like the King of the, the fins or whatever. That's the fantastic. hair fins. I gotta see that. Yeah. We gotta I gotta look for that. That's fantastic. That, yes, thank you for letting me know. Some part of me might have already right, known. Maybe yeah. I'm having deja vu yeah, of some yeah. kind. Maybe I'm having deja vu about Wolverine being king of the vampires and wearing Dracula's cape. <laughs> and in response to Drew's comments on Bones of Giants, Hayden also had this to say. I love this adaption, but I agree that it could have maybe used at least one more issue to help the pacing a bit. But for four issues condensing a whole book, it's still great. Honestly, I wouldn't mind another miniseries revisiting some of the Norse mythology stuff again. Very cool, yes. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Hayden. Definitely got to check out that uh, Monster Avengers universe. I've never looked at that stuff. I want to see that now. I want to see Thor as a mummy. We also heard from Mark Tweedell. Mark Tweedell. Book club member. Yes, regarding Bones of Giants, he says, I love how much there is in a Matt Smith comic to look at. He's just so damn readable. All those little details that we put Oh, yeah, out. definitely. And we also heard from Barbarian Lord. Barbarian Lord. Eh, book club member. Yeah, that's Matt Smith. Oh, shit, really? Yeah, he said, I had so much fun on this. Yeah, oh, so very wow. cool. Yeah, very cool to hear from Matt Smith. Thank you so much. Thank you, Matt Smith. We also heard from Thaddeus Papke. Thaddeus Papke. Book club member. Yes, <laughs> he said, I just listened to this episode. I was so excited when I learned that they were doing an adaptation of this novel. I've been a big mythology fan since I was a child, and seeing Hellboy wielding Mjolnir on the cover made it an instant buy for me back when I was first getting introduced to the character. I'm still working my way through your back episodes and haven't gotten to your episodes on the novel yet, 
Was there any discussion about the parallels between this story and Makoma? I think we did talk about that. You know, that other story with Hellboy being cast into the role of a mythological hammer-wielding fighter of giants battling at the end of the world. Anyway, great stuff, and I'll certainly have to give the novel another reread when I get those episodes of the pod. By the way, the last murder mystery in the museum event was a huge success and completely sold out. Remember, Thaddeus does the murder mystery stuff. Excellent. He says the plot involved two murders ten years apart, both blamed on the Mothman, West Virginia's <laughs> most notorious cryptid. I know who the Mothman is. Exactly the sort of case the BPRD would have been called in to investigate. I'm already working on my next mystery. Oh, I'm so excited. Awesome. Oh, Very cool. But I do like that parallel with Macoma because that was another um, story where he's got like a giant hammer. To me, that tied in a lot with the end of the storm and the fury as well, uh. where he died and went to hell and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, Anyway, we could have a whole episode just talking about that. Maybe we should come back and do that. Thank you so much, Thaddeus. Good to hear from you again. We also heard from at demonic underscore Simeon on Twitter. At demonic <laughs> underscore Simeon on Twitter. Book club member. Yes. They said, I was reading Hellboy in the BPRD 1954 Black Sun. And Hellboy's reaction to the idea of a flying saucer crashing in New Mexico made me think he was flashing back to Midnight Cowboy from the Hellboy Weird Tales. So in the Hellboy Weird Tales, Midnight Cowboy, he's a little boy and they encounter aliens and then the alien goo turns his dog into a monster dog and all that stuff. Oh yeah, I remember that one. So maybe he saw the flying saucer and he remembered that from being a little kid. But but I also hate to be that guy, actually, but I think like Midnight Cowboy is not supposed to be canon. Like the Weird Tales are sure, not canon. right. So it's kind of like... Did that really happen or not? Either way, great parallel. Demonic Simeon, thank you so much for pointing that out. That was a ton of feedback right there, guys. Thank you so much. And now we're going to go on to our book club episode for the week. And this week we're reading some Hellboy and the BPRD short stories. And we're starting off with Long Night at Golosky Station. I really love this story. This is one of my favorites. This is written by Mignola, art by Matt Smith, who we just enjoyed on the Hellboy Bones of Giants episodes. Um, colors by Dave Stewart and letters by Clem Robbins. Uh, I don't know how much we talked about Matt Smith on that last uh, Bones of Giants episode, but he's a tremendous artist. He's got a great oh, book. Oh, yeah. He's, he's great. Yeah, I love him. He's got a great book by Boom Studios called Folklords. Um, that's really great. He's also done comics for Image and other companies. He He's great to follow on social media. He has an Etsy store. It's closed right now, but he does like prints of the Twin Peaks characters and all this kind of stuff. He draws them in his style, so... Um, that's, oh, that's really awesome. cool. Even though we've already read through Bones of Giants, this was actually his first Hellboy work. Uh, we've got this outstanding cover by Mignola and Dave Stewart. I just love seeing Mignola's work again, you know. Um, I love those oh, covers yeah. that we had for Bones of Giants, but I love getting a Mignola cover uh, on this one, especially with a wolf head on the front. Oh, yeah. no, I always love seeing a Mignola cover. We open at Golosky train station somewhere in Russia, 1967. Some random Russian priest bless Hellboy as he exits a train and approaches a station. They're like, holy mother, protect you. And he's like, we'll see. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I like how he's... Uh, <laughs> I love I love that look where he's like, we'll see as he walks out. Like, already I'm just like, ah, oh, Matt Smith is just killing it on Hellboy. Oh, right yeah. There. Outside the station, he sees a man sitting on the bench outside it with a rifle. It is too cold right? to it... be outside on a bench. No gloves no on nothing, his hands. Yeah. No hat on his head. No scarf. Are you kidding me? Yeah. The that should already, be a, that should already I, yeah. be a tell, right? Give me a break. No. Well, I mean, some people go like, you know, swimming in the ice water so 
Yeah, don't, they can't, you can't stay, but they immediately go into like a like a hot spa afterwards. Right, you don't stay out there. Yeah, like, yeah. There's no way he's just sitting out there. So Hellboy sees this guy and he thinks it's the professor that he's looking for on Chukov. That's the guy that he's looking for. But the man on the bench, we will learn his name is Yad Tovich. He tells Hellboy that he was a fool for coming here. So I'm guessing you're a fool for coming here and looking for on Chukov. He says yes. So I'm guessing you're not Anshikov, Hellboy says. No, but I have his head here in this bag, Yad Jeez. responds. It's been an hour. All right. He should look human again by now, Yad says as he pulls out the head of a wolf. Oh, well, sometimes it's different. Very. <laughs> Very just. It's, uh, I love the beginning of just the. It, so... just, it just starts off. This story yeah. just kicks off, and I love this guy, Yad, already. Yeah. He's so cool. He's like, yeah. Sometimes it's, you know, <laughs> he's so blasé. He's yeah. so, like, nonchalant about it. It's really good. We learned this Professor Anchikov worked for the BPRD. Yad had figured that Anchikov sold his soul to the devil so he could change into a wolf, and he was luring Hellboy to kill him. Why is it always a devil with these people? I know, right? All right. Turns out returning to Russia so soon after shooting out the Baba Yaga's eye has made Hellboy quite the target to people of this sort, Yad tells him. So a couple of things. Um, Hellboy has already fought a giant wolf in 1956. He fought the That's giant true. for the King Vold wolf. Yeah. Um, and, oh, then, right. okay. and then in 1994, he's going to fight another giant wolf and the Wolves of St. August. Um, and this is also not the last time that a member of the BPRD would turn themselves into a giant monster and kill a bunch of people. That's true. <laughs> That's, That's true. true. That's very true. Some of the things that this made me think about. Anyway, we get a great recreation of that short story the Baba Yaga. Um, it looks really funny from by this Matt angle, Smith though. and Dave Stewart. It does look funny from this angle. She's just like get get out of it. And he's just like eh. it's just like he's like wiggling. Right. It. It's yeah. just like in my like if it looks like it's moving the way that it's depicted, it looks like a silly cartoon of like you can see yeah. like you can almost see the big the pestle that she's in just like just like yeah. wiggling around, just <laughs> waggling back and it. forth. Yeah. Amazing. She looks like she's just annoyed at him. Right. Like, get, so this short story in the chronology only takes place three years prior to these events so it had barely it had just happened okay and it's been recreated a couple of times i'll have to see if i can put together a bunch of the do that yeah because i know obviously there's the original mignola but there's some other people who have done it since put together uh a yeah a thing compilation there you go a compilation exactly anyway yad tells hellboy that he should have killed her the short story Baba Yaga appears in the third trade. The second short story is Omnibus and the second library edition. So go give it a reread and check out our discussion way back on episode five of the podcast. Whoa. Wow. Oh, no, <laughs> don't do that. Hellboy, that wants... Was a long time ago. <laughs> Hellboy wants to know what Yad is going to do with the wolf head. Yad offers to sell it to Hellboy. Yad says he knows a man who will pay good money for it. He's a hunter, but don't you worry, he tells Hellboy. I only sell to the good people. Hmm. You only sell werewolf heads yeah, to good people. He says, you know a lot of good guys who collect werewolf heads? Well, <laughs> yeah, it says, maybe not so good, but not bad people. I never have anything to do with them. <laughs> so I really like that. He shows Hellboy his hands. They were branded by Holy Iron when he was a boy. He describes the priest who did it as mean but good. No. <laughs> no. Priests branding small children not good but he knew this guy was gonna have to survive or uh-huh. something maybe all of the other kids got killed or they got possessed or taken i don't know if i, don't know, if I met a guy that was psyched about having crosses burned <laughs> into his hands i wouldn't want anything to do with that fucking guy 
<laughs> Get the fuck out of here with that shit. So I guess I'm spending the night, Hellboy says. I think it'll be a long one, Yad responds. I love that panel. The whole pacing of this is fucking awesome. Yeah, like, I'm just good. like, oh, yeah. this is so good. It's so cool. As if on cue, these three shady looking dudes show up. Mm. Yad doesn't know them. I like that moment where they whisper to each other. Like they're instantly friends now. You know what I mean? At yeah. first it was kind of like, what's going to happen guy, here? Yeah. You know, but now they're yeah. like, they're whispering to each other. Like they're on the same side. I really like that moment. So these two guys look like gray zombies with yellow eyes. And then there's this one kind of shorter guy in the middle. Um, but he looks like normal, but obviously like sinister, right? Um, also, I don't know, his, his, his eyes look like he's kind of bugged out, like he's on cocaine or something. Right. <laughs> well, and um, and Yad's hand burns him when he shakes his hand. You see that? And then he pulls his hand back. So that's also letting us know that he's got some sort of evil something, right? Mm. So they know something's up, but they try to play it cool. Yad brings them into the station and tells them there's a bottle of vodka in there for them. Hellboy says, how you doing? I like that. <laughs> That's all he says to this guy. Anyway. But Hellboy and Yad stay outside. Once they're alone, what do you think, Hellboy asks? The two are demons dressed in human skins. I also Yad like responds. how the bottle of vodka is in there somewhere. Right, He yeah. doesn't remember where he put it's it. It's somewhere in there. It's yeah. somewhere in there. Yeah, just keep looking. You'll find it. The little guy's the boss, Hellboy says. A warlock and the other two his slaves. He will be the one, Yad responds. Yad says they should wait until night when they're stronger, which seems counterintuitive to Hellboy. But Yad assures him that they'll have the advantage if they wait for them to attack. So they get their gear together. I like this scene, too. They're, like, taking stock oh, yeah, of like what I was they like, have. Oh, I like your, the thing. What, yeah. Is that the one that you used to take out the Baba Yaga? Like, he's kind of interested in it. Right, that's, yeah. That's fun. He's like, yeah, same model, uh, different gun. I tend to lose them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, we we talked about the trench coat department last time. This is probably the same guy, right? Yeah. Ordering all these guns. Like, <laughs> yeah, the equipment department is just like that, yeah. the, the entire section dedicated to Hellboy. He's got at least three people on that team. Yes. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Just the warehouse full of trench coats <laughs> and guns. Yeah. And big old guns. Uh, yeah. It also gives Hellboy the silver buttons from Bishop Zarini. Okay, these were one of the skeleton crew relics. You have a thing over yes, here that I looks like that. As soon as I saw it, I was like, we have this. Um, we saw Hellboy use one of these in, in the Chapel of Moloch. This is, we uh, we discussed the story in episode 10 of the podcast. It's in the volume 10 trade. The second short story is Omnibus and the fourth library edition, so go check that one out too. There's a hilarious panel when they re- in, in the Chapel of Moloch when they reveal this. Hellboy holds it up. There's this guy. He's all scared because the monster has come out of the ground. And Hellboy holds it up. And he goes, see this? It's a silver button from the coat of Bishop Zrini. He was wearing it when he fought the Carpathian goat. And the guy's like, he did what? And then Hellboy's like, hey, you. He goes Uh. after the monster or whatever. Anyway, that part always makes me laugh. Anyway, uh, we get to see a recreation of that tale. Yeah. uh, Which is so funny for some reason. The goat, right? (laughs) super funny. The devil is... um, what Wouldst you, thou likes to live deliciously? Yeah, what do you call him? Black Philip. Black Philip. There you go. The devil is like in the black goat form, and the the bishop Zrini is like slap him in or whatever with that stick, and he's like, <laughs> yeah. Like, There's like the exclamation point. Oh, he's having a bad time. <sighs> it's very funny for some reason. It's very comical, even though it's like the devil or whatever. Yeah, but he's getting beaten by a stick. Yeah, <laughs> back to hell. Not having fun. Yad tells Hellboy that the bishop died a few days later after the encounter. I'd be friends with him. We would hang out. Yeah. (laughs) With the goat? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'd hang out with him. The buttons turn to silver and the stick to gold. So 
he says the buttons were given to Yad by a man. Yad didn't know how he got them. Um, but now we know how Hellboy got these silver buttons. Yeah, that's great. Somewhat cooler than learning about how Wolverine got his jacket or how Han Solo got his pants with a stripe in it or whatever. (laughs) So bad. Awful. How Han Solo got his last name. Oh, my God. So bad. All of that. I hate everything you've just said. That being said, I do like Solo as a movie. What? (laughs) It's fine. No, it's it's not. Oh, okay. All right. Let us know what you it's think so about this. Boring. This is going to so be a thing boring. we talk about now. <laughs> Just then, the warlock starts taunting Yad from inside the station. He tells him they only want Hellboy, but Yad decides to stay. He looks at Hellboy. It would be smart to go, but I know a man who will pay good money for a warlock's right hand, and he kind of gestures. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I like that. I like, mm-hmm. He's like, no, I know a man who will pay good money for the warlock's hand. This guy is great. <laughs> I'll drink vodka with this man. We get an ominous shot of the trio inside. Yad's like, I wasn't lying about the vodka. I wish I thought to bring that bottle outside. Awesome. <laughs> they have a smoke together, and they're talking about Edward Gray. This is so cool, right? Um, Yad says he used to drink with Ed Gray before the Ripper, before he fell out with the Queen. Oh, he liked my hunting stories and very good whiskey, Yad says. This is awesome, yeah. I mean, that's um, like super awesome. We get a nice uh, sepia tone flashback panel of Ed Gray. Um, so we know from that's the wi- how you know it was in ye olden times. Yeah, that's how you know that. We know from the Witchfinder Reign of Darkness that the Jack the Ripper murders were really part of a conspiracy with a Lady Evelyn and Proserpine home, um, where they were doing all this magic stuff to try to conjure up the Black Goddess. I don't know. You guys remember that? If not, go check out that story in the Volume Six Witchfinder Trade, the Second Omnibus, and or Episodes One Thirty and One Thirty One of the podcast. Witchfinder. 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 Um, but this makes Hellboy start to wonder how old Yad is since he was alive back then. Yad says about Gray, he was a brave man. He deserved better than. And then it, it gets don't, cut off. I know. Don't. We all know it. I know. But what was yeah. he going to say there? I was wondering, what was he going to say there? Was he going to say, like, because of the falling out with the queen or how Ed Gray died by no, getting yeah, dragged that. down to hell? You know what well, I mean? He, yeah. He, he deserved better than being dragged to hell. Being dragged to hell, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that was cool. It made me think. I, I like thinking about, like, what was he going to say? What was he going to finish that with? So here the action kicks in and the colors do as well. Hellboy takes the takes on the two demon-possessed guys, and Yad goes after the warlock. Don't forget the buttons, Yad tells Hellboy as he's getting tackled and beat. Oh, yeah, Hellboy responds, and he throws the buttons, and then they totally dodge him out of the way, and the buttons just fall on the floor. I thought that was really great. <laughs> I love that shit. <laughs> as Yad is, like, entering the cabin, it's, like, just all black, you know, but it's the outside of the cabin door. I don't know. All that is really cool. I love, like, the choice for panel layouts here. There's a neat effect over the next few pages. We're cutting back and forth between Yad and Hellboy's fights. Hellboy struggles to get the buttons he threw and use them. I love the panel that says, grab. Yeah, so he grabs one of the buttons. (laughs) So good. And then he goes to punch the guy, and the guy catches Hellboy's punch, so then he just flings it into the guy's mouth. Um, I love that sound effect, foing. That's the same sound effect that was used in, in the Chapel of Moloch when he threw it in the eyeball of Pretty the guy. Pretty good. Or whatever. So similar effect. He throws it in the guy's mouth on this one, and he throws it in the guy's eye on in the Chapel of Moloch. So pretty cool. Over with Yad. 
the warlock has the contract that his dad apparently signed that damned his family. It's a nice wood burning stove. Oh, including Yad. Well, he's got a little like um. He's got a wax seal on this letter. Wax seal on it. Wax seal alert. Yeah, wax seal alert. I wonder what that sigil is. I didn't. I didn't look that up. I wonder if that's anything. Nah. Ooh. It's wax seal time though. So he tells Yad that he could burn this contract and it would free him. He says. How long can you go on like this? You'll eventually go mad after living so long. Yad thinks about it. He hears Hellboy, and then he shoots the guy. Well, like, I thought he was hearing Hellboy fighting outside, but I think he's really hearing there's, like, a specter behind him. You see that? Like, the warlock, there was another mirror version of him. Oh, yeah. It was coming with a knife, and so I think, like, maybe that panel, maybe he's hearing that. He's literally pulling a Loki right now. Oh, yeah. That is what he's doing. He's He's got a dagger and everything. <laughs> so he shoots the warlock, and we see when he does that, the warlock's death triggers the escape of the demons from, uh, from the guys that Hellboy was fighting. As his demon pops out, he goes, no hard feelings, cousin. You like this cold place? You're welcome to it. Amazing. And they're like, bye. They're like, We're out of here. I like when he says, we are for the whirlwind. Excellent. That's pretty cool. No notes. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Hellboy hears a chop. He sees Yad with a bloody bag holding up the bottle of vodka. <laughs> so um, Excellent. A, a couple years ago uh, with the buff raffle, Matt Smith, actually, this was one of the commissions. He oh, did, that's great. He did Yad, and I think Yad's holding up the bottle of vodka or something like that. It was pretty cool. That's excellent. I wonder who that oh, was. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Cut to the duo on the bench. Empty vodka bottle on the floor. Well, that was all right, Hellboy says. Yes, it was, Yad responds. Hellboy asks for Yad's life story, but Yad says there is none. He hunts werewolves for money. And that's it. Back at the BPRD headquarters, we see the falling water building. You know, we've been talking about Lego a lot uh, on the Book Club Member of Comics a lot. Um, the falling water Lego is like hundreds of dollars. I couldn't believe Jeez. it. I was like, I wonder if there's the falling water, if someone's made it. No, there's a set for it, but it's like oh, yeah. three hundred dollars or something like that. I couldn't believe it. I was like, dang. Remember anyway. that time I found a Lego set at the Goodwill for like five dollars? Yeah, and we looked it up and it was like worth hundreds of dollars. Or something. It wasn't worth hundreds, but what it was, was it worth? Probably like I don't know, it's like a hundred dollars. Probably like maybe like eighty bucks or something. Something like that, yeah. But so we see the falling water building. I got on a tangent there. So we've got Professor Broom there and some of the research team, I guess. Uh, I'm not sure who all these people are. But they couldn't find any mention of Yad Tovich. But they did find an Igor Tovich. Well-known story, maybe mid-17th century, this woman says. He was a hunter mauled by a wolf. He survived but was convinced that he was cursed and that he would eventually become a wolf himself. So to escape the curse, he sold the souls of his wife and children to the devil. No sooner had he signed the devil's book that a huge wolf burst into his cabin and swallowed up his wife and daughter. His son managed to escape, but so great was the boy's fear in dying and burning in hell. Ah, that he simply refused to die, Professor Broom finishes. Thank you, Dr. Saunders. A tall tale, let's hope, for what a terrible thing should it be true. The end. Right? So the little boy is Yad. Right. Right. Oh, yeah, definitely. Man, I love this story. I thought it was so cool. Um, I love Yad Tovich. I thought he was such a great character for being just like a regular dude. You know what I mean? Like just for just being some guy. I thought it was a great story. I love that. But he's growing older. What do you mean? So he was a boy when that happened. Yeah, he, a young yeah. boy. I, I think he's probably like it's slowed. His yeah. aging process is slowed. Like okay. Wolverine gets older, right? But he's ju- it's just so like, he will eventually die. Possibly, yeah. Like, probably when he just gets sick of it. 
I mean, he'll be like, all right, I'm out of here. <laughs> because right? that warlock was like, oh, after you get so old, you're just going to be a mad, right. you know, whatever. So I imagine like you just get more and more withered and well he'll probably take care of that he knows yeah. he, he seems like a very no nonsense he seems like kind a of very a person no- he'd be like all right i'm out of here right <laughs> yeah but i love that story what'd you guys think of that yeah long night okay oh that was fun i mean i like i like seeing the character and i like finding out that he's like from the 1700s you know i mean that's kind of just like wild to think about let's see him uh, uh let, let's see him and ed gray hanging out doing something yeah you know i, mean, I mean that's immediately what i thought oh, of. Like, yeah, let's some see adventures. their adventures together the adventures uh, of yad and ed gray but then I, I i started wondering uh so apparently so his dad signed a contract with the devil and then his sister and mother are burning in hell but now that the devil is dead and pandemonium has fallen can he go ahead and die now i mean I'm sure everybody's dead now, right? Yeah, I mean, Liz, dead. Liz burned the everybody's whole Everybody's dead yeah. or oh, no, no, wait, I, meant, I meant before that, you know. Like, there was a period before. Oh, right. But when uh, just Satan's dead. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. He's got a little bit of he's got a little bit of a period in there. Maybe he just dies of natural causes or something. All right. Our next story is Her Fatal Hour. This one's written by Mignola and art by Ternan Trevelyan. Colors by Dave Stewart and letters by Clem Robbins. Trevelyan, I think this is his fir- this is our first time talking about him on the podcast. He's an artist from the UK. He's done comics uh, called Absalom for 2000 AD. Uh, I have a cool story about him, um, really quick, relating to this cover for her Fatal Hour. So he was selling prints of this cover on Facebook, and they were limited. And he was like, "Hey, hey, I'll throw in a sketch for every print that you buy." And so I was like, I I love a sketch. So, you know, and I love his art. So I was all over that. So when I sent the thing, I was like, hey, uh, I really want Abe in his tactical vest. Can you draw that? And he was like, and then he responded. He was like, I'm not really taking requests on these. It's just kind of like whatever I have. Is that okay? And I was like, yeah, sure. And then he di- and then he did it anyway. Aww. I got the Abe and the tactical vest. That's so vest. nice. And I was just like, wow. I mean, he totally didn't have to do that. And then he even said, like, these aren't really your requests. Like, it's just like what. But then he did it. That's really nice. That's and I was sweet. just like, man, what a cool guy. And he did such a fantastic job he on did. this. I- I'll-, I'll share it on our social media. I fucking love Abe and the tactical vest. Yeah. That's very awesome. cool. Very cool. So before we get into the story, just a heads up, the story acts as a sequel to The Beast of Vargu. Check out the trade, Hellboy and the BPRD, The Beast of Vargu and others, and then listen to episode 122 of the show. We open in the BPRD headquarters in 1979. These two guys are talking about Hellboy's sleeping habits. Apparently, he can be on the job for weeks, but then crashes for a few days afterwards. Um, and we see Hellboy is having a long sleep here. There's a do not disturb sign on the door. So that's something that we haven't learned about him before, right? I guess he can like just, he can just stay, stay up for a long time. stay awake for three time. weeks and then go to sleep for six days. Yeah, and then just be yeah. like, all right. Okay. That's pretty cool, I guess. Um, in his room, we see a poster of High Noon. This is a 1952 American Western film produced by Stanley Kramer from the screenplay by Carl Foreman, directed by Fred Zinnerman and starring Gary Cooper. The plot, which occurs in real time, centers on a town marshal whose sense of duty is tested when he must decide to face either a gang of killers alone or leave town with his new wife. Have you ever seen that movie? I know of it, um, but I haven't seen it. I think this other poster is The Shadow. Yeah. Uh, the fictional character published by magazine publishers Street and Smith and writer Walter B. Gibson in 1931. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow. Yeah, it's the shadow. He yeah. knows. <laughs> so uh, we cut to somewhere in France. No, what I like how his tail is curled around the bed frame. Oh, that's a great. That's a great little detail there. I didn't it's even notice cute. that. 
Also, yeah. his arm is just straight up in the air. Right. Well, the right hand of doom <laughs> is also like just on the What's floor. On the floor, yeah. yeah. But yeah. is he like? Is he just like wildly thrashing? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Amazing. Um, oh, sorry. Meanwhile, somewhere in France. Yes. That's what we're doing now. We see a cabin, a clock ticking, and Nadia. Uh, she was the daughter of Violka. This is the lady who helped Hellboy back in Beast of Vargu. She goes outside and she sees her mother's wagon outside. And she goes in with a lantern and she finds all the puppets. I don't know if you remember, there was a lot of puppet magic in the Beast of Vargu. Um, so, you know, like Hellboy was fighting the Beast of Vargu and then he got beat up by the Beast. And then the mother found him and she was like, get me that blood. And then she made like a puppet of him and she painted it red with his blood. And then she defeated the Beast of Vargu in puppet form, but it also happened in real life. And then Hellboy was like, how'd you do that? Or whatever, right? So she goes in there. She sees all the puppets. I love looking at all the different puppets back there. This one on the left next to Hellboy, you see how it's got like the the branches hair or yeah. whatever? I want you to yeah. remember that one. Okay, I'll Okay, remember. just remember that one for later. But there's some other cool ones. This one kind of reminds me of Camazots, like the Bat Monster. Um, there's a skull one in the back, so I like all these. Yeah, these I was good. looking for the vampire of Prague. He should have put a vampire, but there's a bat. You see there's a bat one? Yeah, that's the one. Maybe that's the vampire yeah. of Prague. But it, anyway, nice little Easter egg. So Nadia, she pins some sort of uh, parchment with a drawing on it or some sort of sigils dra- uh, drawn on it to Hellboy. And then that, well, it, that makes the connection, right? It, it kind of looks like a stick figure surrounded by trees. Right. In the middle yeah. of a tree, yeah. Oh, that's him and the puppet, I guess. Because the yeah. puppet's wood or something like that. Anyway, that's like transferring the power. Anyway, I love that. We get some flashbacks to the Beast of Vargu while Hellboy thrashes around in bed. Nadia says about her mother, You owe her for that. A life for a life. But she's dead. So I say you owe that debt to me. And so somehow she conjures Hellboy to her, right? That's kind of the same thing that happened in the Beast of Vargu. So Hellboy shows up. I love the art style by Trevelyan. You know what I mean? I don't know if we've talked about it, but, you know, he's kind of got like that Mignola-esque kind of like blocky style, but it's just so much more. There's something that's almost like um, exaggerated about it, like exaggerated about the proportions of the people and of their faces and stuff like that. But I really like it. It's very appealing. Um, like Nadia's hair in this bottom panel. Like, I just love all the all the work that he does there. And Hellboy's totally naked, too, right? <laughs> I think it's pretty awesome. He's like, you got an extra pair of pants in there? She goes, I'll see what I can do. We cut to Hellboy. He's in, like, a little robe. You see that? Excellent. <laughs> so awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. I want to find a robe for my one of my Hellboy toys. Um, that would be great. <laughs> That'd be awesome. So Nadia, she talks about uh, St. George's Day. She mentions that briefly. It's the feast day of St. George, celebrated by Christian churches, countries, and cities of which he is a patron saint. It's generally celebrated on April 23rd. So we see that celebration here. At the festival, Nadia meets her uncle Yorgi and his hot AF friend, Furco. Okay, <laughs> casting corner. Casting corner. You got somebody? I absolutely do. Tell me. Oh, you can't remember his name. No, wait. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. What movie is he in and who is he married to? No, no, no. He's in, he was in, the, he was in that movie with um, the guy. Let me finish this little part while you're doing okay, that. Okay, you do that. So Nadia instantly falls for this guy, but her mom says that since he's a friend of her uncle, he's most likely made of straw or dug up from the ground like a root. They plan to marry, but the mom says never. 
And after she says never in front of Furco, the next day a black dog crossed their path and the mom fell, never spoke again, and then died three days later. It's not the dog's fault. It just it just sounds like a coincidence to me. Well, I think the dog is him. Oh, okay. Or I think he's it's we're gonna see he did it. He's got some sort of black magic. I was about to say him, that seems yeah. very non sequitur. Look at that dog. That that's not a re- look at it's got red eyes. <laughs> that's not a real dog. Poor dog has red eyes. He can't help it. Oh, poor baby. Okay, casting corner. Okay. Remy Malik. Oh, Remy Malik, there you go. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's Remy Malik. That'd be good. I like a Remy Malik. Yeah. Like a Remied Malik. So uh, we cut to her wake, Violka's. Um, she's got the coins on the eyes. I thought that was a nice little detail, right? She's got the brass coins on the eyes. We've talked about that right, before. Right, right. And so at the wake, you know, Nadia's there mourning her mom. There's like a violin player and all this stuff. It's very beautifully illustrated. And this dude shows up and he's like, "Hey, now she's dead, and we can we can, now we can get married." Jeez. So. The mom wakes from the dead to still denounce the marriage and go after Amazing. this guy. And I guess she doesn't realize that she's dead because she's like, over my dead body. And he's like, that's the thing, mother. You are dead. And then she's like, ah! So it's like, <laughs> did she not realize that she was dead or something like that? So here we reveal that Furco is starting to transform. He's like some sort of devil, right? Or monster. But doesn't he look just like that puppet that I told you to look at earlier? Oh, yeah. It looks like that puppet. Oh, right. yeah. yeah. I like how the guy in the background of this is like, I'm, I'm fucking out of here. Oh, right. The, the musician the with the instrument. Player. Yeah. <laughs> the violin player. Yeah. I am out of here. What a funny detail. I didn't notice that. There's this uh, There's this idea, and I, I guess we're going to get to it, um, that he's put a curse on her. And then so that puppet is in the in the wagon. Yeah. Because that's part of the curse, right? Or is that like a sign that he's still there? I don't know. I just thought that was interesting that good. the puppet looks like this. Anyway, uh, this guy, Furco, he says, 10 years for the worms, mother. And when you are dry bones, I will come for her. Nadia, wherever you run, 10 years when the clock strikes 12. Oh, so I want to talk about this trope for a little bit. You know, like. After this much time, this is going to happen. Sure. Like Sleeping Beauty, right? Is that Sleeping Beauty? Oh, yeah. is that Sleeping Beauty? Right, because doesn't she come at the beginning and she says, but when she turns oh, s- 16 sure. years oh, yeah. or whatever, is that Sleeping Beauty? Yeah, she'll prick I, I her guess. finger on the, on the spinning wheel and then she'll fall asleep. Yeah, there you go. It makes mm. me think of that. What other ones? I thought there was another Hellboy one, too, where it was like, oh, something's going to get me because time is up. I don't know. You're but asking me I... to remember something specific? <laughs> Do you remember any other stories where that's a trope? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's like a common, like, I sold my soul to the devil and I got, like, 10 years to be a famous musician and now he's coming from my soul kind of trope. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But, like, what? From what? It happened a lot in Supernatural. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. The legend of Robert Johnson, he supposedly sold his soul at the crossroads to become an amazing player. Um, oh okay uh there was uh that movie the third one movie in the oh god series oh god you devil uh where the main character sells his soul to the devil who looks like george burns oh <laughs> george burns oh my god <laughs> yeah a- anyway i was just thinking about that that's a popular trope i guess uh listeners let us know what other good examples of that there are uh, uh there's a shorter version of that i think cinderella right she's like midnight Oh, yeah, yeah. She doesn't get 10 years, but... Some of the same... It's kind of the same thing, yeah. Sure. Nadia tells Hellboy that she's tired of running. Well, I I love what Hellboy says is, I get it, but if you were looking to hide, why'd you bring your mother's wagon? (laughs) She's like, I didn't. It followed me. I hate it when that happens. (laughs) 
and her ten years are up tonight. Well, so I was wondering, is one of the puppets driving the wagon? Yeah, absolutely. Like at night, like one yes. of the puppets is coming alive and driving the wagon, or maybe it's 100%. him. One hundred percent. Maybe it's him. He's he. Ah, oh, I just put it together. He's one of the puppets, yeah. and he's driving it. Yeah. Man, I love this. <laughs> I love this book club, you guys. <laughs> Anyway, the clock strikes midnight. I love all the pacing on this page. She's looking at the clock. We see the hands of it. We cut to the outside. And then uh, it's like all spooky. And she's like, you'll help, won't you? You won't let him. Hey, he probably won't even. Nadia. Uh. Crap. He's like, crap. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. He's got an axe there ready. So Furco, he comes in through the chimney. He comes in all like Mr. Fantastic style, he right? Sure or whatever. Does. It's kind of like yeah. He has to like squeeze him through. It kind of reminds me of um, what's the X Files? Oh, Tombs. Tombs. There you go. Tombs does that, right? Hey, good job. You remembered something. Listen. <laughs> he and Hellboy have at it. Hellboy chops him with the axe. There's some great one-liners. I like when Hellboy says, "Learn to take no for an answer, pal." That's a good one, right? What do you think about that? So in the middle of the battle, we cut to the BPRD. Agents hear Hellboy having a bad nightmare in there. And this one guy really wants to check on him, but the wiser one says, Believe me, if you'd seen half the stuff he's seen, you'd be having nightmares too. And good thing they didn't check on him, because if they did, he would be a puppet in there. Whatever, (laughs) right? There's a freaking puppet in the bed. Like, what would happen? Yeah. Jeez. The monster smashes Hellboy through a wall outside. And outside, Hellboy sees the ghost of Violka. Save her, she says. Working on it, Hellboy responds. Um, And so Hellboy returns inside just as the monster is all over Nadia. Shut up, Hellboy says, pushing him away. And kid, your mom says hi, Hellboy says to Nadia. And so the mention of the mom to the beast, it like infuriates him. He's like, where is she? And so there's a cool, it opens them up to have the cool action beat. So I really like this action beat. I thought it was cool. So Nadia chops him with the axe, and then he turns around to yell at her. And when he turns around, the axe is still sticking in him. So Hellboy pulls the axe out of him and then chops his head off. Awesome. I thought that was really cool. Pretty good. That was pretty cool. So beat. good. Because I was like, I, I looked at it the first time. I was like, how did the axe get from Nadia to Hellboy? But it's it was still in him. It was still stuck in him as he turned around. Uh, so the head falls to the ground, and Hellboy's like, damn, I couldn't think of anything clever to say. <laughs> She's like, oh my god, you did it, I'm free, I'm really free. Yeah, that just worked out, I just... And then Hellboy collapses, he turns back into a puppet. Incredible. And then he wakes up in his bed, and he's like, son of a... We get some nice little shots there, we see the puppet with the little paper coming off of it. We see Nadia chilling. Now she's relaxed. Now she's free in her little home. Amazing. In the outside of the that, cabin. And there's that corpse still in there. I know, right? Pretty good. Pretty good. Oh, she's got a little bottle there. She's enjoying some sort of spirits. Awesome. Yeah, I love that. What a great little story um, from Trevelyan. I, God, I love his art so much. There's just the detail that he puts into the characters' faces and Hellboy. From the same issue, we have the next story. It's called The Sending. Same creative team on this one as Her Fatal Hour. We open somewhere in England, and this woman, Miss Bell, is with Hellboy and Harry Middleton. Harry Middleton, Professor Broom's old friend. Uh, so he's there hanging out with Hell with Hellboy. He gets to be like the the little cute old man hanging around, right? He's got some great lines in this. Miss Bell 
has found her recently deceased uncle's library destroyed. She claims she saw a thin creature like a mummy wrapped up with just one arm one night. She felt like it was looking for something. So as they're talking, I like Harry Middleton's on the floor looking at the books. I wonder, now that so many are damaged, you might consider selling? Harry, not really the time, Hellboy says. He's I like, love Sorry. that. <laughs> Just being a little old man. Suddenly, Robert the butler enters to say that the uncle kept a secret library. <laughs> like, your uncle kept a separate, second secret library. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing with a secret library? Turns out there were some weird circumstances with the uncle's death. He had just come back from a trip where he seemed tired and nervous. Babe, babe, a secret library. Yeah, I know, <laughs> maybe right? One, maybe a secret library. <laughs> I know, I right? Let's, let's make one. <laughs> and also the day before he died, he received a letter from Iceland, and it upset him so much that he burned it without reading it. Jeez. As Robert leads them to the secret library, Harry asks Hellboy if he has anything made of iron. Something pointed like a nail. And Hellboy's like, I actually do have some iron nails. So he gives one to Harry. I love how there's this one in the panel. He would absolutely have a little pouch full yeah. of iron nails. Oh, he yeah. would, sure. yeah. And uh, I love this little panel where as he hands it to Harry. There's one little panel He's of like, him Give just me one. handing it over. Gib. Inside the secret library, it's pretty cool. There's some uh, neat little details. There's like some sort of mask on the bookshelf. I was trying to determine if this is a real painting or not. I love this painting so much. I couldn't so find much. it. I love this painting so much. I was really frustrated that I couldn't this find it because I'm convinced it has to be a real painting. It's but awesome. I couldn't find it. It looks like some sort of like vampire lady or it's something. Oh, good. Looks like she's got it's wings. So, good. so uh I like the secret library. On the table in the secret library is an old book that that the uncle had just brought back from his trip which was also from Iceland. And suddenly the one-armed mummy appears. Fine, give it to me. Yes, stolen, it says. So I like this because uh, Robert's like, well, it might actually be stolen. I'm sorry to say your uncle really was quite a terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, Miss Bell says. Amazing. So I love this because Hellboy has to go and fight the monster, right? But Harry's just in the back reading this book, like checking out the book that they had brought He's back like, from oh, Iceland. Oh, the Farnham Grimoire. <laughs> yeah. The actual spell book owned by Sarah Webb and the Washbrook sisters, the Witches of Farnham. And then we have a little footnote. Killed by Edward Grey in 1879. They were attempting to assassinate Queen Victoria. Yes. Um, so this was depicted in the Witchfinder short story, Murderous Intent. Witchfinder. It's collected in the first Witchfinder trade and the first omnibus, and we discussed it on episode 22 of the podcast lots of references on this episode so harry's like we can't let the master of this monster have the book back so we get right hand of doom boom number 53 as hellboy pins the creature to the wall with his stone hand and harry's like uh get that sheet off of him so hellboy pulls the robe off and we see that the mummy is not one armed it's hiding its other arm and harry instructs hellboy to grab the other arm i'm trying he's a wiggler hellboy says <laughs> that's awesome i like uh, how he says everything so nonchalantly though yeah this guy. he's like can you get that shade off him yeah <laughs> as hellboy does uh we see the one he, we see one finger has a white tip and so harry comes over with the iron nail and he sticks it in the finger and poof Jeez. the creature disappears holy crap hellboy says yes well, now that's how you do that, Harry says. Amazing. And we see the finger <laughs> fall to the These ground. These guys make a perfect team. It's really good, it's right? Really good. They're both just so blase about this. I like <laughs> the um, animation, I guess, for lack of a better word, of the poof. Yes. It looks animated. <laughs> yeah, it really it's does. Really, you can see the yeah. movement in there. You can see how it would be animated. 
Well, and it also feels like there's lighting coming from Hellboy, like the lighting from the. I mean, there's lighting. There's lighting coming from the poof on. Yes, onto, onto Hellboy. Hellboy. That's right. what I mean. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Thank for sure. you. Yeah. Come on, you party's over. All this is really great. Yeah, it's really good. Trevelyan's art style just lends so much to these characters. In the aftermath, they all have a spot of tea. Like you do. You, like you do. Yeah. You got. I mean, you. Yeah. Look it's, at their little teacups. Tea they have little roses just, on I, them. I just Very love cute. this picture of uh, Harry as he's like holding his teacup up. He got that big old smile on his face. Yeah. They got biscuits. Oh, so good. Fantastic. So, Harry tells Hellboy and Mrs. Bell, it's called Ascending, a kind of ghost very particular to Iceland. I'm not sure how it's done. Somehow a black magician will use a single bone to trap a spirit, give it a physical form, and use it as a slave. Its one weakness, of course, is that one original bone, and like so many supernatural creatures, he cannot bear the touch of iron. Well done, Mr. Middleton, Miss Bell says. It seems it was quite your day. She's right, Harry, Hellboy responds. It was all you this time. Nice job. Not bad for an old man, eh, Harry says. You'll tell Trevor when you see him, won't you? Tell him I've still got it. I thought that was really good. Hellboy's like, I, you bet I will. Yeah. Hellboy says that uh, they'll take the book back to the BPRD, but he asks, you want to keep the finger? Eh. I do like it, Harry says, but perhaps Miss Bell would like it as a souvenir. I think not. I think not, she says. It's moving it, around. It's, it, it reminds <laughs> me of like the ending. It's like the ending of Inception. I feel okay. like, it's just, like right. it's just like spinning Great. around or something like that. <laughs> very cool. Very Ooh. weird. What would you do with that? What would you do with that bone with the iron in it? Would you take it or you keep what? it? Yeah. What would you do with it? I don't know. Put it in a jar. I yeah, would, put yeah, it in I'd a put jar. Put it in a jar, and it would just be always moving around in there. Yeah. Wouldn't that be weird? You have to put some 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 sort of like you know fabric or cotton or something in there because it would drive you. <laughs> it would drive you nuts. That sound. <laughs> Yeah, but what if you're trying to torture somebody? You can just like leave it in a room with somebody. And I would like, simply not like, oh. torture somebody. <laughs> I simply wouldn't. Oh, that's a good point. I don't ever want to torture anybody. Yeah. <laughs> or you could, you know, you could do. You could tie it to a piece of string and hang it so that it wouldn't be making sound. Yeah. But okay. You could look at it. Oh, but it would just be dangling it would just be in the dangling air, and dancing wiggling, around, and yeah. you could look at it. Wow. <laughs> hang it from like a cat post and then get yourself. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. There you, there you go. Perpetual cat toy. There yeah. you go. All you got to do is perform ascending, <laughs> and, then, and then destroy whatever you made. I might file made. down. I might file down the sharp end of the nail so no one gets hurt. There you go. No great, one gets tetanus. All right. Get your Tdap shot, by the way, everybody. If this is your reminder, <laughs> you do not want tetanus. All right. We don't want tetanus. Or diphtheria or whatever else don't that do shot it. vaccinates against. I don't know. Our last story today is The Seven Wives Club. This issue is written by Mignola. Art and colors by Adam Hughes. With letters by Clem Robbins, we saw Adam Hughes do an awesome job on Hellboy Krampusnacht. And he's back to blow us away with more tremendous art. Check out this cover. Now, originally, when I saw the cover, I was like, oh, that's nice. Adam Hughes did the cover yeah, of no. this issue. And I was, I looked at the interior art, and I was like, Adam Hughes did the interiors oh to God, this. What right? the fuck? It's crazy yeah, it's good. Yeah, so good. So uh, this is a beautiful issue. I mean, I, I really love this. And uh, it's really great to have a name like Adam Hughes come back to Hellboy. So we open in Savannah, Georgia in 1992. Hellboy is at the local jail. Oh, it's you, he says to this girl. Her name, we're going to learn, is Jane Howell. She knows Hellboy because he's caught her sneaking into haunted houses before. She tells Hellboy that her boyfriend Tommy was really into haunted houses, and they'd heard about Walter Wakeman. He lived back in the 20s, she says, had seven wives or girlfriends or whatever in different parts of town, and for some insane reason decided to get them all together one night in his house. 
He locked them in the room, set the place on fire, and hanged himself laughing. At least that was a story, and Tommy wanted to check it out, she says. You know, just thinking about, like, you know, just the absurdity of, like, he had, like, seven wives and he killed them all and hung himself laughing. I don't know. It's just... It's really messed up, yeah. It's, it's fucked up, you know? <laughs> and I can't help but just nervously laugh at it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so we get a flashback to them in the house, and Jane wakes up smelling smoke, and when she wakes up, she sees the ghosts of the seven wives. That is an, uh, that's an amazing panel right there, where we just see them, like, floating. Really creepy. Uh, she calls for Tommy but she sees the ghost of Wakeman coming at her with a rope. She gets the gun that Tommy had, and she shoots, and then she finds that she actually shot Tommy. She killed him. So now the cops are saying it was a crime of passion, but she knows the ghost of Wakeman tricked her. So Hellboy says that he believes her and to get some rest. So we cut to outside in the actual police station. We got some Hellboy feats. Oh, yeah, look at that. You know I love some Hellboy feats. Yeah. Spats. I didn't even notice that. Little cloven... Feetsies. Yeah, good job. He's got another trench coat from the pile. Yeah, from the pile. <laughs> the pile is capitalized. And we also see BPRD agent Pauline Raskin. We haven't seen Agent Raskin in forever. She was featured in one of my favorite stories, Dr. Carp's Experiment. We've also seen her in The Ghoul and the transformation of J.H. O'Donnell. In that one, she was much older, though. Um, and those stories are all featured in other Hellboy and BPRD volumes. We've all talked about them on the show. You can go look them up this time. Agent Raskin... <laughs> Agent Raskin tells Hellboy that there was a guy who came by asking about the Wakeman place and Jane. Hellboy wants to help out Jane and try to clear things up, so they go outside to meet with this guy, Mr. Ford. So they meet with Mr. Ford at this diner. I thought this was a cool setting to place this scene. Yeah, you know, it's, it's just good. like it's just a cool place to to draw, I guess, and uh, it looks awesome. I like a diner like that. Yeah, I love a diner. They meet with Mr. Ford, and he's got all these details on the Wakeman house. He tells Hellboy and Raskin about the Holy Sisters of the Marne. They were some Irish nurses who were at the Battle of Marne in World War One. This was a real battle. Um, from an article on the BBC, in saving Paris from capture by pushing the Germans back, the first battle of the Marne was a great strategic victory as it enabled the French to continue the war. However, the Germans succeeded in capturing part of the industrial northeast of France, a serious blow. Anyway, the Holy Sisters of the Marne ended up opening this school for lady doctors, as Mr. Ford says, and Mr. Ford's mom was one of those doctors. He tells Hellboy that she was there when the Wakeman murders happened, and she got to work on him. Work on him, Hellboy says. Cut him up, you know. Learn the anatomy, Ford responds. Right, Hellboy says, looking at the yearbook. Then, of course, she and her friend stole the body. Excuse me? Raskin asks. (laughs) Sounds bad, I know, Ford says, but at least in the beginning, it was just a prank. There were seven of them, so they found a room in the basement nobody knew about. They stashed Wakeman down there, and they used the place sort of like a clubhouse, called themselves the Seven Wives Club, after those ladies that got burned. I know, I know. Creepy as hell, right? Mother only started talking about this stuff at the end, when she was sure she was dying. So we see them pull up to the house. It's all messed up and creepy, and Hellboy's like, nice. Nice. Inside, we get some incredible art by Hughes. I love all the details that he puts in here. So, Oh, yeah. Look at this painting. I don't think this is a real painting, but I mean, just that amount of detail. So there's like these nurses. It's the Battle of the Marne, right? So the nurses are like the angels and the soldiers. I thought that was an incredible detail that they put in there. Um, and I love this panel in the middle where they've got the three flashlights. So you see, like, the three silhouettes and all that kind of stuff. All that stuff is just beautiful. As they walk through the creepy house looking for the basement, 
Mr. Ford tells Hellboy and Raskin how all the nurses started having accidents. Falling downstairs, car crashes, getting crushed by a giant bookshelf like this person in the corner here. The trio finally find the basement, and Mr. Ford hears something. There's like a green word bubble. Joey, you don't go in there. Mother, he asks. I love that expression on him when he's like, mother. Right. Right. Raskin is like, you okay over there, Mr. Ford? Miss Raskin, Mr. Hellboy, maybe you two wouldn't mind going ahead without me. And Hellboy's like, what the? It's okay, Mr. Ford, Raskin says. Why don't you go back upstairs and wait for us? And Hellboy's like, what was that about? He's just a normal guy. He's scared. (laughs) (laughs) I love that line because, yes, I mean, they're used to all this stuff. Just a regular civilian. (laughs) Just a regular person. I mean, yeah. But we get another panel with Mr. Ford, and there's another green word bubble. Get out, Joey. Go home, and we see the specter of his mom. What happened here, Mr. Ford says. Mother, what did you do? I didn't do anything, she says. And we also see Hellboy and Raskin come across the body of Wakeman. I like how Raskin's like, gross. (laughs) He's all dead there, and then there are seven hearts pinned to him, and the seven hearts have names written on them. And if you look closely, you can see one of them says Ruth Wagner. That's Mr. Ford's mom, right? Yeah, this is an incredible page. So for all of our envying purposes, I will say that Ryan Yule has this page. He he owns Ooh. this page. Oh, wow. So, yeah. uh, Ryan Yule definitely has some Adam Hughes original Hellboy art. So that's awesome. Back with Mr. Ford and his mom. She's like, it wasn't me. It was Ella. The one who fell on the stairs? It was Mary. Mary Little. Olive Pember. Maddie Cobb. She names all of them. And Wakeman was the devil. But it wasn't me. It was just school. I didn't... I didn't do anything wrong. But as we're seeing, like, they're opening him up and she's, like, sticking his, her hand inside and gain his blood or something, right? Something something happened there that I think whatever binded them to him or whatever they were doing. So the ghost starts freaking out and all of a sudden shit starts happening in the room. That's not good, Hellboy says. And so we see the seven wives, the specters of them, flying around. Hellboy, Raskin says, hang on. Hellboy's like, it's just ghosts. Let's wait and see. Us. And so uh, I love this pacing, right? Because they're all just kind of like calm, white, serene. And then they slowly like fade to like flaming skeletons. <laughs> oh, man. We see Mr. Ford screaming, running out of the building. And over with Raskin and Hellboy, all hell has broken loose. God, uh, Adam Hughes does a tremendous job with this. No, because you're the... right. Because he's just like, hang it's on. So it's, good. Just, it's just, it's just, hang on. It's just ghosts. Let's yeah. wait. And then they like transform into these fucking <laughs> flaming and it's like i can just imagine him, there's there's a missing panel here yeah, where he's they're... like all right and he you know he starts like gearing up like right. okay, all right all right he's like son of a pauline get out of here and she's like wait a minute she goes for wakeman's body she takes one of the hearts and she reads it amelia wood and when she does that one of the flaming skeletons is like that's my like it's like he's gonna say that's my name yeah and then she rips it and when she does the skeleton's affected. So Hellboy's like, whatever you did, do it some more. <laughs> and then we see the body of Wakeman. It's like, stop. It says it quietly. And then when we turn the page, it's like, Nate comes alive. Stop. And it attacks Raskin. God, this is amazing. The artwork on this is just <sighs> incredible. It's so good. He's like, girl, come to me. And she's like, girl, go to hell, you. And she pull. I love this, too. She, like, opens her jacket to pull her gun from her holster all of the action in this is incredible. Adam Hughes, they just let him go wild with this. You know what I mean? They're just like, give us some great action shit. I love Hellboy on fire. He comes in to fight Wakeman. 
and we get some great panels with the right hand of doom as he defeats Wakeman. And we get right hand of doom boom number 54 and 55 on the same page. Oh, shit. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, wait, one of them's the left hand. Right, so we get a rare left hand boom. <laughs> yeah, so I guess this is right hand of doom boom number 54 then, technically. But he also says boom each time. Yeah, he says it each time. That's awesome. Very cool. Wakeman's like, what have you? Shut up, Hellboy says. And he just, this middle panel is incredible as Hellboy just like totally obliterates Wakeman with one punch of the right hand of doom. So in the aftermath, Hellboy's like, Taraskin, are you okay? She's like, I'm okay. Nice shooting, Tex. He shouldn't have called me girl, Raskin says. So in the I don't know. (laughs) I kind of feel like literally anything that a ghoul does or says would have warranted that same exact response. Sure. So (laughs) I kind of feel like that was a little bit like unnecessary of like, don't call me a girl. Sure. Like, all right. I don't none of no one wants that or needs that. You could have left that out. I see. Okay. I feel like the same response would have been appropriate if he had just been like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Shoot him. Yeah. Just fucking shoot him. I don't, you don't need a reason to shoot him. He's a horrible ghoul. Well, you're not Agent Pauline Raskin, so she has her own uh, agency. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Great. So, so in the aftermath, uh, Raskin and Hellboy, I like how they chill out there afterwards. Like, after all this shit happened, they're like, oh, let's, let's take a beat and just hang out here for a little bit. Trying to figure out what they were doing down there. I don't know, Hellboy says, and I'm pretty sure I don't want to. Well, yeah, without the haunting, it's, 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 a, it's a place with a great aesthetic. Sure, yeah. You know? I mean, how did they do it, Raskin asks. Did they somehow attach the ghosts of those poor women to him? With these, she holds up those hearts with the names on them. Or were they already attached to him even though he burned them alive? Or maybe because he burned them alive, Hellboy says. That's what I hate about ghosts. You never really know what the hell's going on. Raskin rips up the papers with the names on them. What do I always say, Hellboy says. Give me a werewolf or a mummy. They might put up a fight, but at least you usually know what they're about. Rest in peace, ladies. I hope, Raskin says, as she drops all the pieces from the ripped hearts. We also get a panel here that says, Thanks to the BPRD testimony, Jane Howe was eventually cleared of all charges in the death of Tommy Niles. The end. Very cool. Something like that was going to happen to that guy eventually, though. He was just looking for trouble. Oh, the one who got shot. I'm going to go stay in a haunted house and I'm going to bring a gun. Like, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. He shouldn't have had a gun with him. What are you doing? (laughs) You're going to go in a haunted house. Don't do that. What are you doing? Yeah. Because like she said, it was like macho bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. Man, when I first started reading this, like when I first opened that page, I thought that that girl was going to be Liz. I was like, oh, is that like young Liz getting mm, in trouble? But right. no, it's some That's what I thought too. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but I love uh, I love Adam Hughes uh, doing Hellboy. I thought he did a great job on this. It was really cool. I mean, just really, the action was amazing. I think Ryan has another one of these pages. Maybe he has those boom pages. I'm sure he'll share them. Check out our Facebook post. Ryan always shares Uh, what original art pages he has from these there. I do want to talk about the sketchbook section. So if we cut to page 135 of the uh, digital trade we're looking at, um, we get some nice layouts of the Long Night at Golovsky Station by Matt Smith. We also get some really cool concept sketches by Turn and Trevelyan, like figuring out his Hellboy style. He's drawing him in the robe and stuff like that, which is really cool. I love this little sketch of him in the robe. Yeah. (laughs) He's got that smile on his face. (laughs) Really funny. I like it. It's, uh, It's short. Yeah, it's like a little, it's yeah. well, because it's her robe, Yeah, right, you know? It's good. And then we get some of the p- pencils, the black and whites of Adam Hughes' work. I mean, it's a cute gag because it's her 
robe he has to borrow her robe and that's why it's funny but yeah. also men in super short robes yes it's is, funny yeah. i like it i just think it's great i just think it's a great gag no matter what well he, he's rocking that robe for he sure is. He, yeah it's good and then i kind of want to get a commission of him in that robe. i know that's a great idea man that's a good one asking if there's pancakes yeah for uh, breakfast you get it he comes downstairs He's in the robe. Oh, he's in the robe, yeah, because it's morning. Yeah. Because you put on a robe in the morning. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah. I like that. On page 149 of the Digital Trade, we get the Mignola cover to okay. our, her fatal hour. That's great. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. And the sending. Very good. And then we also get Mignola's cover to the Seven Wives Club. Okay. Um, I like that as well. So, um, really awesome. Man, these were some great Hellboy stories. I love these short stories. What do you guys think? Fun stuff. Oh, this was a lot of fun. It's always great to go back to just like some really cool just like Hellboy investigating just a strange thing that's solved in one story kind of story. Yeah. Yeah, and I really like the character building, like Yad Tovich. I, I really want to see this guy again. I hope they do some more stuff with him. He is so cool. But I loved all the art in it. God, they've got such a great team, like, every time. So it was really a treat to go through these stories. I'm glad you guys enjoyed them. All right, so uh, I'm excited to hear what you guys think about these Hellboy short stories. Let us know who you would cast as um, the hot guy in... Her Fatal Hour. <laughs> As the horrible monster. And then let us know um, all the, in 10 years, you're going to turn into a pumpkin tropes that you know. Yeah. And now, Aubrey's going to say all the things. All right, everybody. That was a lot of fun Hellboy stories. I want to hear your thoughts. You can send us at hey, you damn guys at Hellboy Book Club at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast and on Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. You can also find all of our resources on our Podbean website, our Facebook About section, and our link trees on Instagram and Twitter, if Twitter hasn't blown up yet. <laughs> As always, a special thank you to Paul from Garden Harm for the listener feedback theme. Thank you, Paul. Uh, and thank you, Only Beast, for your theme. You're welcome. Yes. <laughs> find the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. And when you're there, open it up and give us that five-star review. And if you like the podcast, tell all your friends. Have everybody join the book club. And then also join us over at Book Club Member Comics because we're having a lot of fun over there. What we're was that, the Aubrey? Book Club Member Comics? That sounds great. I'm going to join... Do it. I'm going to be a Today. book club member over at Book Club Member Comics. Yeah, we're doing all the Baltimore stuff over there. It's a lot of fun stuff. Uh, like next week, we will be reading Detective Comics, issues 601 through 603 by Alan Grant and Norm Bracefogle. Oh, shit. Yes. So that's going to be a lot of fun stuff. So you guys want to do, pull out them back issues, trades, digitals, omnis, and join us next week over Book Club Member Comics. And we'll be back at Hellboy Book Club Podcast next month. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. I'm an iron nail that's been shoved through a monster's finger, and I'm wriggling around. <laughs> and I'm Aubrey Lovelace saying, he's just a normal guy. He's scared. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> He's a normal guy. He's a normal guy. Yeah. He's scared. <laughs>